You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks and welcome to episode 71 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. I'm your host Bart Bouchotts and this is the show for July 2019. Joining me today I have a fabulous panel as always in no particular order. I am joined by the wonderful Gaz Maz from the MyMac podcast. Hi Gaz. Hi Bart, looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be a cracker. Well excellent, I I like your attitude. I entirely approve. (laughs) Um, from not a million miles away from Gaz, we're also joined by Simon Purnell from the Essential Apple Podcast. Hi, Simon. Uh, hello, mate. Hello. Good to have you back on. That's two in a row for you. This is getting to be a real regular <laughs> now. <laughs> Delightful to have you, as always. And then, finally, an old voice back again for the first time in a while. Scott Wilsey is back with us. Hi, Scott. Yeah, my wife's been telling me I'm old lately, too, so that hurts. <laughs> we need we need another word for that. Um, previously heard voice we haven't heard in a while. Ah, okay, thank you. <laughs> yes, not not an aged voice. We, we don't like those, and I, I'm I'm ignoring the uh, number that's ever increasing next to my age. So anyway, that's right. So before we get stuck into this month's shiny new news, just a few little things to follow up on. Um, Earlier in the year, we had a whole big thing about LG TVs getting AirPlay 2 and HomeKit. Well, that has started rolling out as of July 25th. They're not really pushing it back to older models. It's only 2019 models are getting this happy, happy, joy, joy, but still progress. Uh, Vizio are also starting to roll out this update, but they seem to be pushing it back further. So any TV that supports SmartCast 3.0 is going to get AirPlay 2 and HomeKit, and they started rolling out on August 1st. Um, my only issue with Vizio is that they practice, uh, was it aftermarket monetization? Basically, they make money by spying on people, and I find them detestable and horrific, so I never buy one. But they do have AirPlay 2 support. So there's something. Uh from the same keynote, Apple told us about Apple TV channels. Well, CBS All Access is now available on the said Apple TV channels if you live in the United States of America. We talked a few months ago about parental control apps that use MDM being thrown out of the App Store because of the dangers of using MDM. And something that didn't get a lot of coverage at WWDC because it happened at one of the developer keynotes rather than the giant big public keynote was that Apple changed the rules for MDM. So they put a new guidelines in place and they also added a procedure where apps can use MDM for parental control on the condition that the app gets a deeper level of scrutiny by the App Store reviewers to make sure they're not doing anything funny with MDM given its potential for abuse. And that in that way, apps that use MDM can come back into the App Store for parental control apps. And that is now happening. The first such app to get through is RPACT, which was one of the ones removed uh, earlier in the year. And finally, we now know that Apple Card is going to roll out in August. And I said finally, what I should have said was second from finally, because finally, finally, the last follow-up we have is that Samsung are going to have another go at the Galaxy Fold in September. So we shall all wait with bated breath for the review units to see how they hold out this time. Okay, uh, notable numbers. Just one statistic crossed my mind, uh, or crossed my RSS reader, more than my mind. Um, Apple, 
tops the list of corporate solar energy users or creators in the US. Actually, users, I think, is what the headline says. So basically, of all of the corporations in the United States of America, the biggest user of solar energy is a certain Apple Inc., who are 100% renewable-driven for their operations in the US. If they do what the UK shops do and leave their air conditioning on full blast um, uh, or the heating on full blast and their doors open in the winter, then they're probably using an awful lot of energy, and that's good on them. Boy, that does annoy me in the UK. Yeah, that's why... You're supposed to have like some sort of system that doesn't allow air to flow, like say rotating doors. That's literally what they're for to stop all of your stop you trying to HVAC the country. Absolutely, this is good news. Good news. Is, just, yeah, no, you know. it's nice to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of legal latest, just something to put a little pin into. Um, the US DOJ has announced an antitrust investigation into tech companies, but they didn't name names. They just said that they were going after tech companies for antitrust. And everyone is sort of assuming that Facebook and Google are definitely in the firing line. Amazon's probably in the firing line and Apple might be in the firing line too for their app store. What may or may not be related is reporting that the FTC, so that's not the DOJ, that's the Federal Trade Commission, um, are appear to be investigating Apple's deal with Amazon late last year where Apple and Amazon came to an agreement that Amazon would sell Apple stuff on condition that Amazon only allowed officially sanctified, not sanctified, um, <laughs> certified, Apple resellers to sell Apple stuff on their platform, thereby throwing out people doing third-party refurbs and stuff from the Amazon store. That may or may not be anti-competitive. Um, and apparently there's an investigation on the way because people who used to sell have received phone calls from Federal Trade Commission employees asking them questions like, so tell me, how has this affected you? So we shall have to wait and see how that pans out. I think obviously the size of Apple means that they're probably going to be under fire as well, purely purely because of their size. I know it mm. it, it has less meaning than it used to, but and certainly in the business that they're in. But uh, size always seems to um, create investigation in one way or another. Well, arguably it should, right? Because if you're big enough, mm. you have the power to do real damage. I mean, one one could argue that the crisis of 2008 would have been a lot better if banks hadn't have been considered, you know, so big that they're more important than the rules. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, I, I deem that they're going to be looking at legality and, you know, not going to be going down just investigating them because of size, but... Uh, uh, one would hope that they uh, they're doing a, a a good and proper uh, investigation. Yes, obviously, we want <laughs> excuse me. We would like fairness in the investigation, but I don't mind Apple being scrutinized. I think it's no, absolutely not. Keep them honest. I, I I don't I don't mind it either. I have some uh, a little bit of mixed feelings about it though, because when uh, recently the, our government here was looking at things that Facebook and Google were doing, they were also starting to lump Apple in with some of those things. And in my mind, those problems that they were looking at with Facebook and Google weren't really applicable to Apple. Right. Different business model, right? Apple are not in the the business of selling privacy. Right. And I don't, it's kind of worrisome as to how much they really understand the technology companies that they're looking at. 
They seem to understand that Apple is a technology company, and they seem to understand <laughs> that Facebook is a technology company. Therefore, they must be the same. Exactly. Yep. Which is definitely dangerous. Anyone else? Uh, any feelings on this one? I find it yeah, hard to get exercised, to be honest. Yeah, it's the uh, my my feelings about it is obviously Facebook almost certainly need investigating. Google probably need investigating. Amazon might need investigating. Apple certainly should you know shouldn't be above scrutiny but the sort of things that they seem to be targeting don't actually make a huge amount of sense to me for example this app store thing you know oh they've got a monopoly on the app store well the bbc have a monopoly on bbc programs that doesn't make them a monopoly well ford motor company have a monopoly on fiestas exactly this you know um yeah, I know the, the only the, the, the only thing that they keep threatening is, oh, we could force Apple to accept the existence of other app stores. You know, like on Google, you don't have to go to Google Play. You can go to certainly in China, they have a whole host of various other app stores you can go to. But that strikes me as a very, very bad thing to be mandating. That's. Well, yeah, yeah, because, uh, right, so in theory, um, historically, uh, antitrust was about protecting consumers in the broad sense of protecting consumers. But in recent decades, it's been narrowed down to if the price goes down, consumers are protected. If the price goes up, consumers are harmed. A really, really simplistic and childish view of what antitrust is supposed to be about. I've also think that of, of certainly over the last few years, probably possibly even the last decade, that often antitrust seems not to be about protecting the consumers, but another large corporation complaining that they can't get, you know, they can't crowbar in on the action. Well, that is certainly that is certainly true, and a great example of both points would be the uh, ebook finding against Apple, where Amazon, the monopolist, somehow managed to get Apple, the squeaky upstart, prosecuted for antitrust. Yes, and that exactly. Was- Bat, um, bat guano crazy. Barcicle. Barcicle. Yes. Uh, um, but from, from a from a competition point of view, right, um, the reason I think it's absolutely silly to go after Apple for having a monopoly on their own app store is because actually we have real choice here as consumers at the moment. The choice is an open system like Google, which has the advantages of having multiple stores to choose from and the disadvantage of having a much more dangerous security landscape versus the advantage of Apple's much more closed-down walled garden versus the disadvantage that it is a closed-down walled garden. But right now, consumers have a choice. They can live, they can choose the Gilded Cage or they can choose the Wild West. If you force everyone to be a Wild West, you have made things worse because now consumers have lost the choice of a walled garden. I really like walled gardens. They're extremely pretty and old houses, and I quite like the security offered by said walls. And I want to be able to choose that. And I don't think it's protecting my interests as a consumer to force me to have to live out in the dangerous Wild West. Yeah, I, 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 that is, I think, probably some of my view exactly. It's like if you was to, uh, you know, if you are to mandate that everybody follows a particular model, that's hardly a free market, is it? 
Really? Exactly. And it's not that Apple have any sort of monopoly because uh, Android has much, much bigger market share. So that that's not a danger. So there's no need to go and, uh, you know, regulate Apple out of existence. Yeah, well, exactly. And then the other the other thing at the moment is the the um, the term monopoly seems to have become somehow twisted into meaning having control of your own product. <laughs> Only by people who don't understand the English language. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, there seems to be maybe there's too much of that. Anyway, I'm going to move us along into some quick uh, HR updates. Um, some bad news from Apple's point of view. Health insurer Anthem in the United States have poached a bunch of Apple health employees to help it modernize. Now, I guess for Anthem customers, that's a really good thing. But... I want them working on my next Apple Watch, please. <laughs> For me, it's not so good. <laughs> Purely selfishly. Uh, and then we switch into the good news column. Uh, Nat Brown, an Xbox Valve, or uh, sorry, an Xbox and a Valve veteran, has joined Apple's AOR division. And Apple AOR have also poached some um, Kim Vorath from within Apple to the AOR team. Um, apparently, uh, Kim is known as a bug wrangler. Very good at basically beating problems into submission. So that may be the kind of person you need to get a product that's been in development for years across the line into a product product. So you know, maybe 2020 is the year of the Apple glasses. We shall we shall have to wait and see. Again, some interesting hiring news there. So with all that out of the way, let's jump into our main stories. Uh, we have four of them to work our way through. Um, so let's start with the first, which is some changes to the Mac lineup. So the biggest of the changes revolve around Apple's notebook line. Um, The uh, MacBook Air has seen some TLC. It now has an improved True Tone display and a price cut, which is a nice nice mix. We've given you a better screen and we've lopped $100 off the price. So you can now get in on your MacBook Air, love, for $1,099 at the low end of the market. There was a whole bunch of sturm and drang about the fact that the SSD was marginally slower to write. No, wait. It was a faster... I think my show notes are backwards. I think it was a faster write speed, but a slower write speed than the one they'd had before. But the no, thing no, is, I think you're right. It's the... It's the um... Oh, I don't, I don't know. It was one, one was slightly faster and one was slightly slower. That's definitely the case. Yes, and the thing is, they're both still fast. So in terms of what an actual user in actual reality will actually experience, they've gone from having a good solid-state drive to a good solid-state drive. No one's going to actually notice this. But that never stopped the internet from making hay. So no, if if you're worried about this, if you... You know, if you if you're panicking, oh my god, I can't buy this new laptop because it has a shitty SSD. No, no, it doesn't. It has a very fine SSD. It's just not quite identical to the one before. It's slower in one regard, faster in another regard. But really, it's fine. There, it's a fast SSD. Sorry, does so- does anybody think that this is the uh, yeah the you've got the twelve inch so called adorable MacBook been retired? Um, everybody was saying that when the adorable uh, MacBook came out that the MacBook Air was going to be retired. So do we think that the so-called adorable MacBook um, was not as adorable as perhaps first intended? I would argue 
that this MacBook Air retained the name Air because people love that name, but in terms of its actual design, it is the next MacBook Adorable. If you look at the engineering of it, if you look at the hardware of it, it is the obvious successor to the MacBook Adorable. It's USB, it's USB-C, it's got the thin bezel design, it's got the retina screen. It's not the hardware of the MacBook Air updated. It is the hardware of the MacBook Adorable updated, but they've given it the name Air because the name Air has real cachet and the name MacBook nothing, it doesn't. <laughs> And I'm a huge fan of the adorable. Um, I my 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 primary machine and work is a MacBook adorable has been for many years now, and I frankly adore it. Um, but to me, I'm not sad about this because when I look at that Air, I see oh yeah, that's the obvious next machine for me. Same USB C coolness, same small little bezel, same gorgeous screen. Yeah, same keyboard, unfortunately. Um, uh, although, to be honest, I, d- I like typing on those keyboards. I actually find them nice to type on. And for me, touch every piece of wood going. My keyboard is functional and working, and I hope it stays that way, although I now have the security of a free replacement program should that cease to be true. I'm, I know this is a slight side step, mm-hmm. but actually I still think that Apple were not actually you know, bending the truth when they said it's a small percentage. The trouble is a small percentage of a big of number. a very large number is quite a lot of people. Mm. And people who make a lot of noise, which I think we discussed last time, you know, the mm. brand yes. becomes tarnished. And uh, therefore, the you know, everybody has the perception that that keyboard is terrible. Even, also, there's a selection even, effect. Even Apple geniuses. I was having quite a long chat with the guy that um, was behind the counter. had been with Apple for probably 10 years. And um, I, I said to him, uh, off the cuff, I said, yeah, they don't really make a bad product, do they? And he went, well, yes, they do. And I was a little bit taken aback yeah. when he said that. Um, and he said, um, the keyboard. I said, yeah, but it's not really a product, is it, on its own? He said, no, but it's created a bad product. Mm-hmm. That's and um, that would that was um, not a surprise. And he said, that, you know, he was he wasn't keen on it. So, um, you know, I did, I talked about the fact that you know was that because of someone uh, in design ivory towers with air conditioned rooms and no dust, and uh, maybe that they wanted to do proper testing. You get it in front of some grubby teenager eating his dinner over it for uh, <laughs> a few weeks, and uh, they might have come across the issue sooner. Yeah, I mean, okay, so I definitely think there's a selection effect going on because the people who write about Apple stuff are people who write for a living. So they are the hardest users of keyboards. So if that keyboard is going to have trouble, it's going to have trouble for them more often. And therefore, the perception is going to be even more skewed than the usual, only the squeaky wheel makes noise. But I mean, they're definitely... Apple wouldn't have a replacement program if these things were working perfectly and we wouldn't hear from the rumour mill so clearly that the design is being thrown in the bin. No, that is true. Although I also think part of the, you know, all any, uh, you know, the whole thing about any Mac with the butterfly keyboard is covered is also partly a um, customer reassurance manoeuvre. 
Absolutely, but needed because of the perception that's out there. Anyway, I don't want to... The perception? No, no, enough. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, we've we've done this one to death, so let's move on to the next upgrade in the lineup. The MacBook Pro Escape needs a new nickname (laughs) because it has lost its escape key. It has been upgraded to include a touch bar, which I don't think makes a lot of people all that excited. But coming along for free with said touch bar is something which does make a lot of people more excited. Touch ID. So, you know, pretty much everyone I know with one of these MacBook Pros adores the Touch ID and is at best ambivalent about the um, touch bar and at worst cranky about losing their escape key. Either way, you now have Touch ID on all the MacBook Pros and the touch bar for better or worse. And also, while they were at it, and again, they left the price unchanged, so leaving it at $12.99, the new Coffee Lake CPUs from Intel to give it a bit more oomph as well. As Gaz mentioned, the 12-inch MacBook Adorable is no more. And then finally, Apple have reduced their prices for SSD upgrades across their entire Mac lineup. And they've reduced them quite substantially. So that is good news for anyone buying a new Mac with an SSD drive. Yes, very good. And uh, as I think every podcast that uh, I've listened to or been on or you know <laughs> hosted everybody said about bloody time too because yes. you know the old prices were most distinctly gouging now apple do use extremely good ssd in their in their defense but i still don't think the old prices were appropriate no i as i said previously and i think um i think it was guy did the same you know we're happy to pay a premium but there's there's paying a premium and there's having the mick taken out of you. Yes, I think we're back to premium as opposed to extracting the micturate. Yes. Would the... Okay, so a few years ago, was, let's say two years ago, I was picking an arbitrary number out of my backside, we'll say two years ago, I would have said that there were many parts of the Mac lineup that were badly in need of some TLC because they were becoming horribly lagging behind. Have we now arrived at the stage where the Mac lineup, after a few years of neglect, has been successfully readdressed and that we now actually have a very healthy Mac lineup? We have nice iMacs, nice iMac Pros. We have nice uh, Mac Minis and Mac Mini Pros. We have nice MacBook Airs and nice MacBook Pros. And we have a nice Mac Pro on the way later this year. I'm happy with the Mac lineup. Am I wrong? Um, I, 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 I was going to say, I think pretty much I agree with you. The oh, only I thought you were going to say I was wrong, sure. pretty much. Phew. No, 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 I, I agree with you. I think the only machine I'm slightly unsure of at the moment is the iMac. When did the iMac, the standard iMac, last have a refresh? It's it's probably due on soon, but I have one of the latest uh, 5K iMacs, and it's a gorgeous machine. It doesn't feel oh, yeah. neglected. So, so do I. No, no, I'm not. I'm just saying, you know, that's possibly due for another refresh. Because I think that might be nearly two years. Oh, no, I anyway, think it's two overall. So it's, yeah, but I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's getting to the point where I think it's due one, but it's not neglected yet. They, right, no, they updated not, it in March of this year. Oh, so. did they? Ah, yep. well, then, never oh, mind, they? then I take it back. And so do I. <laughs> I, I obviously uh, didn't miss that. Yeah, well, missed that I mean, along you, the way. you could argue that, there are certain things that it's still lacking, like it it doesn't have the security 
and so forth of all the other computers that have been updated. It doesn't have no T2 um, or T1. No T2 chip, exactly right, or T1. And, you know, things like that. There's still no way to get Touch ID on it, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as the CPUs and graphics go, they did update it. Yeah. I, I think, so at the moment, with the, I, I think as of today, or uh, everything that has a screen that Apple sells is now Retina, I think. So that's kind of a nice move forward. Um, so you're right. It, it, we need to get to a stage where everything is solid state by default with a T1, or sorry, a T2. There's no point in putting the T1 into anything new now. So that's the obvious last sort of closing of the loop for the Mac lineup is get everything onto T2s and get everything onto solid state only. And I believe the reason the iMac doesn't have a T2 is because of the either the fusion drives and the non-SSD drives don't work with. Basically, you need to have a solid state only drive to have a T2 chip for various Can I make reasons a I'm not going to go into. Comment about fusion drives? Please. So, I have two late 2015 27-inch iMacs in my house. Mm-hmm. One of which has a problem with randomly powering off, and the problem went away for a year. I thought it was fixed. Uh <laughs> then it started again. That one has a 512 SSD, which I think, you know, besides going having everything go to SSD, I think the minimum should be a terabyte, honestly. Mm. Um, it's just too small. But anyway, so in the meantime, because Apple has tried to troubleshoot this machine over and over and over again, and now I don't have Apple Care on it anymore. Yes. So anyway, while I'm dinking around with that, I transferred all my stuff back over to the the iMac that my daughter was using. And it's a very similar iMac, same year, same... Most of it's same, little bit lesser CPU, but it has a Fusion drive. Right. And I don't care what people say. Fusion drives are bloody freaking slow. They just are not <laughs> adequate at all. Okay. I, I, I'm a Fusion drive user, have been for many, many years, and I'm quite happy. Well, if you have a lot of memory and when you're not hitting the drive for big yeah. things, it's yeah. totally fine. Yeah. But when it has to hit the drive to load something big, like a big application or a big photo or a big video, you definitely feel it. So, mm. so the okay. reason I took the reason I took my Mac to uh, my iMac to the Apple Store was exactly that reason, Scott. The the the, the thing kept shutting down. I've got a Fusion Drive um, iMac, and it kept just shutting down. Now we don't want to make this show a a, a fix my iMac uh, show. No, that's <laughs> uh, but, but but I had exactly the same problem. They had it in, and they did a full set of tests. And one of the processes that I went through was to change for the original RAM in there, which was only eight gig. Um, I put 32 gig in uh, of my own afterwards. Now I am noticing, because I've still got that eight gig in since I've got it back and they've done full tests saying absolutely nothing wrong. We couldn't find anything wrong with the hardware at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And the shutdowns have stopped, but I am going to do a bit of a reinstall. We were having a conversation before we came on the show. Um, And um, I've noticed exactly that description you said with the fusion drive with the lower amount of ram in when i had the you know a reasonable amount of ram in a little bit like um but it's fine no issues at mm-hmm. all but no yeah, I, was gonna say, I, run, I never run with less than 16 gigs of ram and so, and i also only boot my machines when there's a software update that needs it right and that makes a huge difference i have 32 in this one that that my that was my daughter's now we're sharing and when I'm actually using it, for the most part, it's not too bad. When I'm booting it, it feels like it takes an eternity. So, yeah. so getting back to your, your point, um, Bob, mm-hmm. 
yes, get rid of fusion drives as far as I'm concerned. Well, I, I'm a little bit concerned about that because the, the, like, my iMac, I need to have storage. Agreed. And to me, I, I have a three terabyte fusion drive in this thing and that's affordable. Mm-hmm. Three that's terabytes of SSD isn't. I, I, I agree with you, but I, I think if, it, if you're going to put a fusion drive in, the process that we've found out about the speed is possibly something which people don't realize until they start using. The thing is, if you're a new user to, to Macs and you buy, and a lot of people do this, they'll go out and they'll buy the best that they can, but doing exactly what we've done in terms of wanting as much um, hard drive capacity as we possibly can get, gone for the Fusion Drive option, started to use a Mac and using it more and more and more and more and then starting to push it and then find it's really slow. Now, that's a bad user experience, which I'm, you know, perhaps Apple are just not seeing that. So that's why they're continuing with the Fusion Drives. I would say it as a reasonable trade-off because I, I actually, I'm happy with the trade-off between affordable three terabytes and a bit slower to boot. Yeah, you see, I'm I'm starting to lean the other way, where I think I'm I'm going to be looking to um, if my next move, whichever that will be, because I've got to live with this because it's not they're not cheap machines. Yeah. Um, I've had it for a few years and it's it's still going okay, apart from the shutdowns. Which if I can get that fixed, I'll live with it for a bit longer. But certainly, any future Mac I'll, I get, if I cannot afford to get the internal. Um, capacity then i i will make sure that i get a fast you know fast enough connection i i.e thunderbolt to an external drive to store all of the the bulk of i i would say for what it's worth bizarrely um on on the laptops where obviously you don't want to be mucking about with an external drive or a dongle or whatever they're all solid state hmm um, and yet it's the desktops which often come with the option of a fusion drive, where in reality, it, it, you know, if you're talking about a desktop, you, in my experience, you're probably far better off to get um, an SSD, the biggest SSD you can get, but then for storage, stick your storage on an external be it a Thunderbolt or, you know, even USB 3 is pretty bloody fast, to be honest. Yeah, but the problem you have there is that you can't have your external drive and your internal drive appear as a single volume. So then you're left with the fact that if I want to install a bunch of big apps, well, now I don't have room for the big apps. I'm installing them in non-standard places. It's, you can't have my home drive sitting on that. It, it's a giant big pain in the backside. Well... Where, no, hang on. Let, let me finish. Yes, a, fusion, yes, sorry. a fusion drive is two hard drives but appearing as a single file system, and that's the power of it. Because that's actually how it works internally. It is a spinning oh, drive yes. and a solid-state drive. And because the iMac is physically large, they can put two drives into it and make it appear to you as one. That's the magic of it, and that's yeah. why you can't do it on a laptop, because there's no room inside the laptop for two drives. Well, I'd have more sympathy for Apple if they hadn't reduced the solid-state part of that Fusion drive, though, which yeah, they did. I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair shout, actually. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we'll, yeah, we'll agree with you there, Scott. <laughs> yeah, that, that that is true. I mean, just for for, for what it's worth, I mean, my um, personal laptop has um, two five six SSD, and uh, I still have a good hundred gig free, 
And I can assure you, I install a lot of big apps because obviously I had, uh, you know, Adobe Creative Cloud and all sorts of pretty honky. You're not a videographer. That is true. Um, I, I am not a videographer. Um, but if I was, I certainly would not be using a Fusion Drive. I'll be honest. Anyway, I'm going to move us along. Um, so I, I think the summary from that bar is that we we we're not sure about the fusion drives. Yeah, apart from the fusion, <laughs> apart from the fusion drive and the fact that not everything is T2. Yeah. I'd I'd agree that I think they've got a pretty good lineup as long mm-hmm. as they keep on top of it over the next coming years. Yeah, how's about I this? Can, the... can we sum it up as <laughs> definitely improved over two years ago, but not quite perfect yet? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely improved. And I, I, what I think they need to do really is manage a true, but not as bad as people say, but the perception issue of the keyboards, they they need to fix the problem. They can't have this cloud hanging over their head. Yeah, well, I think the rumors are pretty strong that there's a new butterfly design that's going to hit the, hit the market along with that 16-inch MacBook Pro we keep hearing rumors about. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Okay, so our second major story is Apple went shopping and they bought themselves a chunk of an Intel. Um, Apple are going to acquire Intel's smartphone modem business, including 2,200 Intel employees, and they're going to fork over a whopping $1 billion, with a B, dollars for the deal, which is expected to close in Q4 of 2019, which is really quite soon. So another major part of the widget coming under Apple's direct control. So they they will be able to have their own modems built into their own systems on a chip with their own custom designed uh, ARM architecture. This is this is very very good for Apple's ARM future. Do you know what I find? It just struck me that's odd about this story in this world of capitalism. And that is that a lot of companies are outsourcing a lot of their products or parts uh, that go into their machinery. And Apple seemed to be going the other way. Well, yes and no, Gaz, because Apple aren't going to build a single modem. So they're going to do what they've done with their A-series processors. They've brought in the high-skill design and they're going to continue to outsource the donkey work of actually stamping them out of melted sand. Yes, but a lot of companies are actually buying in products from other companies, so they don't even own the design or the IP of that product. They're saying, right, we don't need to live with that that IP of that product. Uh, we don't need to have any sort of ownership over it. Um, we're, we're actually going to just buy someone else's product, whereas Apple, a little bit over the last few years, I think have started to go the other way. Whether they're going to build it themselves or whether they – um, where they don't, they're actually owning, they're, they're buying these companies so that they can purchase that IP so that they can keep control of that side, which I kind of get, but it, it's going away from a lot of other companies' way. I'm not saying but, it's good or bad. It, no, but it is it, Gas, because there's a difference between your core competency and stuff that's ancillary to your core competency. So the actual, if you go to business school, what they teach you is you outsource the stuff that isn't core competency and you cling on for dear life to the stuff that is core competency. And I would argue that for Apple, modems are core competency, whereas, you know, cleaning staff or whatever, you can outsource that. Well, I don't know. Cleaners are very important. Yeah, by the <laughs> example, actually, because we've had, a, yeah. I have some particularly negative experiences that particular approach to cleaning. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, something that's 
quite important in, in this acquisition as far as I see it. Mm. And one is obviously one of the first things was you got an awful lot of people spouting on about, oh, Apple are going to make their own 5G modems and, uh, you know, expect an Apple um, modem in the 2020 iPhone. And it's like, no, no, look, that's that's not that's sure. That's the long term point. But I'm pretty sure Apple have bought this. But this is a long term play because they will still have to develop their own remember? How many years, and it was definitely many, how many years went between Apple buying the company that did the ARM stuff and releasing the first A chip, which was suspiciously called the A4? Exactly. Uh, several years. Possibly th- four, in fact. I think so, too. <laughs> I basically think they, were, they did one chip a year and the first three chips never saw the light of day and only three years later on the fourth go-round did it actually become public. Yeah. That's not to say they didn't use them for things. They may well have put them in all sorts of things. They just didn't necessarily name them. I don't think there were any shipping products. But I suspect more likely that they simply built them, tested them, rejected them, and went back and, you know, iterated. Yeah, um, yeah, because we know they weren't in shipping products because iFixit would have <laughs> I fix it would have had a field day with that scoop. Yeah, but the, 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 one of the most, the most important feature as far as i can see of apple basically bringing this technology in-house is for example at the moment your iphone has a separate modem chip it has a qualcomm or an intel modem which is separate from the a series processor with this ip and the licensing from qualcomm Mm -hmm. and all the rest apple and don't forget, Apple have also agreed to buy Qualcomm modems for at least four years, I think. I thought that it was, was three years the in the modems and six years in the patents, I thought. But either way, it's well, multiple years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So for several years, you are unlikely to see a, a, a pure Apple modem. Can I throw a caveat the... into that statement? Go on, then. Well, you might see it on the desktop or a, or a ah, there we go. Okay, or good. Because I think we're going to see Apple 3G and 4G modems quite soon. I just don't think uh, we're going to see pro- Apple 5G modems. So I don't 5G. think, I think the yeah. iPhone is going to be last. I think the iPhone is going to be the last Apple device to get an Apple chip. The iPad and the Mac are probably going to get there yeah. first. And I iPad first, I would thought, and then possibly the Apple Watch. And I wonder whether the this goes to show that of their plans in the future, having lots of uh, peripheral products which have got 5G connectivity. Yeah, I, I mean, in a world of connected devices, if we're heading into a wearable's future then you actually kind of do want small, really, really power-efficient modems. And the best way to be able to get to small and power-efficient is to be able to bake it all into one single widget. Indeed. On, you know, SOC. Put it in yep. your SOC. Yeah. Uh, so that, I think, is the long-term game. I don't think this is, you know, what a lot of people have been talking about. I'm pretty sure that this is a long-term strategic manoeuvre. Yeah. To as you you know to bring uh, SOC modems into because once you've got them and they're in, then you can bake them into your A series chips. You can put them in your watch SOCs. You can put them in your bloody AR glasses. You can put them wherever the hell you like. I mean, the day is coming when our entire computer is something in, that fits into our ear. Yeah, sure, definitely. 
Okay, and anyone have any alternative views or anything else we should consider? I mean, I think it's both. I think it helps them now and it helps them later. Uh, also, I, I don't know all the details, but it's they were using an Intel modem in their in some of their iPhones already. If yes. they acquired the rights to just keep using that part along with all the IP and all the design, um, yeah, they could just keep using it now and have some Qualcomm and some that. I don't know if that's what they'll do, but I think they have more flexibility than just the long term here. Yeah, no, that that seems eminently sensible to me. Okay, um, main story number the third one, Siri and privacy. Things got a wee bit heated this month. Um, let me try to summarize this <laughs> before we talk about it. I'm not sure how well I'll succeed, but I'll have a go. So The Guardian from the UK kicked the ball off with a little bit of reporting. Uh, they had been talking to employees from contractors working on behalf of Apple grading Siri recordings. In other words, it was their job to listen to the recording and then give effectively human feedback on what Siri did. And in particular, one of the areas that was being focused on was false triggering. In other words, all of those really annoying times when your iPad is just sitting there in the kitchen counter with your recipes open, minding its own business, as you're listening to a podcast or something, and all of a sudden, instead of showing you how to, you know, how to make stir-fried or whatever, it starts saying, I'm sorry, I didn't understand you. Or if you're a HomePod user, you know, random voices from the side of the room suddenly start telling the television that it doesn't know what it's talking about or whatever. It's very annoying when that happens. That's one of the things that obviously these um, humans were trying to help Apple track down. But of course, that that's a particularly dangerous thing to be listening to from a privacy point of view because false triggers means that you're not talking to Siri. You're having a conversation with someone else and that someone else could be your lawyer, your doctor, your trade union representative, you know, all sorts of <laughs> your conspirator in a crime. It, it, it's more it's more privacy invading than intentional Siri invocations, most probably, because you're not thinking I am telling a large corporation this piece of information. You're thinking I'm having a private conversation in the privacy of my home. So anyway, these contractors were bound by Apple's rules, but not paid for by Apple. And they they did say that they have occasionally heard things that made them uncomfortable. Uh, now, this isn't a breach of Apple's uh, privacy statement because Apple say that they keep the stuff for, I think, it's six months, but they anonymize it first and then they, you know, and they keep it for processing. What wasn't clear is that that processing may involve humans. And I don't think until someone put flesh and bone on it, we really quite understood what those English words meant in the same way. So it got people quite aggravated. And it also comes as part of a bigger context, as we found out a few weeks ago that Amazon don't anonymize their recordings from Alexa and they keep them forever and they have them looked at by humans. And those humans had all sorts of terrible practices where they were doing things like sharing them with each other in like, you know, private Facebook groups and stuff um, and really doing quite horrible things with them. And we also know that Google also keeps anonymized data but again like google is more like apple in this sense they 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 do anonymize it or they don't keep it forever i think google's default is 18 months apple's a six if memory serves 
So that was sort of what triggered off the kerfuffle, was that report from The Guardian. Um, and then since then, the development has been that Apple have suspended their grading um, and they are going to reintroduce it after they update their apps to give users an option to continue to use Siri, but to opt out of the human grading, which is probably the best place to land. Google have done the same. And uh, no change from Amazon that I've been able to detect. Um, Amazon have added an option, uh, no human review uh, to their Alexa preferences, I, I'm told. Okay, good. Can you uh, dig me a story on that? Because yesterday when I put together the show notes, that hadn't broken yet. Um, that was that was very recently. Um, yeah, I will dig. Okay, great, because then I can pop that into the show notes. Uh, I believe that, yeah, if memory serves, I think I might have heard that mentioned on Daily Tech News Today headlines about half an hour before we recorded. Uh, and I think it's coming in a future update. But either way, that's good. That, so basically, we've ended up where we want to end up. All of the companies have a button to say no humans clicks. So how do people feel about all of this? or What do people think? Did I miss anything? Did I summarize it poorly? No, I think I think that probably sums it up. Um, I'm pretty sure Gaz, but didn't you speak to Guy about this? Because you you said, don't you? You, you know, it, some of it sounded like hyperbole. To be honest, um, didn't the guy say at some point, you know, even a zipper being undone could be mistaken for the trigger phrase, which struck me as highly unlikely. And if you listen to the cult cast, Leander tested it by deliberately zipping and unzipping his trousers <laughs> <laughs> uh, to much hilarity in an attempt to trigger. He said, no, it's not working, not working, see? <laughs> but um, there was a certain amount of hyperbole in there, some of which seemed to be... Um, Shall we say inflated for a click effect? Yeah, I think there may well have been a bit of inflation for click effect. But to be fair, I think on this occasion it might well be, you know, it might well be right because Apple are obviously putting themselves in a position of saying, you know, we are better than thou. Um, and, you know, in being better than thou, you've got to make sure that all your your, your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. And- I was going to say that was, uh, I, that was my going to be my next point, which is I don't think any of us are particularly surprised this is happening, but Apple have held themselves up a bit as, you know, we treat you better than these other people and uh, have then failed to uh, make it clear what exactly what they're doing. Now, I will say, right, from all the facts I have found, better remains factually true, right? So up until all of this broke, Amazon's policy was we'll keep it forever. And Amazon were found to be really not in control of their contractors, where that has not been the case with these Apple contractors. Yes, they're contractors, but they were bound by Apple's rules, and there's no evidence of abuse of those rules, which in in the Amazon case there most certainly was. And, you know, so I think Apple were better than the rest, but that's not good enough. You don't just got to be better. You got to do the right thing. And clearly the right yeah, thing and, and is that, give that, us a button. Absolutely. And that's exactly where they put the self, you know, that it's the, you know, better than thou attitude. So if you're going to do that, you've got to make sure that you, you are better than thou. Um, I, I find it. Uh, I find it rather amusing that all of a sudden uh, there seems to be an option for one of their competition that says 
no human internet interaction um you know almost taking feedback that has now been blown a little bit out of proportion but you know maybe on not, not totally unworthily um from from their competition to put that option in so well, here's yeah, a question folks i think it, i think it was a miss rather than anything that was you know um nasty yeah it's not a scandal but ultimately i'm happy where we've ended up because this is better yeah yeah so question folks we're going to have this button that we can toggle so where are we going to put it i'll just put my colors in the mask and saying i want the human review because i want to have Siri trigger less wrong, less often, <laughs> whatever the right way of saying that is. So what, what, what are you guys going to be doing with that button? Um, I'll be honest, I don't care. Uh, I tend to switch stuff off when it's not Apple. So if, if, if an application is asking me to do something so they can get feedback, um, I don't know them, I don't trust them. Um, I don't know Apple, but I trust them more than others. Um, I think I still trust them after this. Uh, it would have been nice for them to have um, uh, come up front about it, but I think I'd still feedback. I think I would agree if it was, this is going to sound, this may be arbitrary and doesn't make sense, but if it was Apple employees, yeah, it's a third party contractor. And, and actually when uh, earlier guess when you were saying something about contracting stuff out, I immediately thought of this situation. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, I'll probably turn it off. However, I don't know. I might turn it on and then notify and then notify, you know, let my family know they can turn it off on their devices. Hmm. Um, it, Siri clearly needs the help. And I'll tell you one that has <laughs> bugged me for years and still does. If I, if I'm, I always use the phrase seriously all the time. It triggers oh. Siri every <laughs> about the only time I've accidentally managed to trigger my Siri is exactly that. And I said, right. oh, something like, are you serious? But yes. When I shout at it, hey, you, it, it, nine times out of ten ignores me. That's right. <laughs> but it knows, too, because on the screen it will say seriously. And it knows that you said that, and yet it triggers and waits for you anyway. If it knows that you didn't say, hey, dingus, but that you said the phrase seriously, why does it not then go, oh, they don't need me, and shut itself off? But it still sits there waiting. It's yeah. it's it's just crazy. So it does need the help. Clearly, they're not fixing their accidental triggering problem, at least not that specific one. So all these – I get that it's a hard job. I get that they need – real input from real humans and i get that they need real humans on the other side looking at it and seeing what's going on but they the mistake was they should have been super clear right up front they should have given an option to opt out right away they should have had it off by <clears throat> default i think and then let people well, opt into it if they want to you know when you either set up your iphone or update your iphone you get those screens right at the start, and one of them is um, send feedback to Apple, yes, no. Send yeah. feedback to third-party developers, yes, no. There should I be agree. one there which right. should say send, allow, you know, allow or send, you know, allow Apple to use your Siri for improvement, yes, no. Which you is know, probably or, where the button that they've promised us is coming is going to end up. Yes. 
or it will be in the Siri preferences. You might be able to have no human review, which means well, no, it'll, it'll be in both, right? All of those buttons in that pop-up screen are also in the settings app. So oh yeah, of course they are. Yeah, I mean, change I your mind, but I think I mean, they, I think it will be fronted along with you know when you get your new phone, you know what do you want to do? But Siri, I mean, they already ask you whether or not to enable Siri, so that screen is already there. They don't have true, to add yeah. an extra screen. They just need to put a toggle on that same screen they already have. Uh, and it's kind of good that they front load those things like your location and stuff like that. I, I kind of like the fact that they front load that stuff so that it's really mm-hmm. obvious that you're making a decision about it, that it's not just the tyranny of the default. Yeah. Okay, unless anyone has any more pressing uh, opinions on this one, I'm going to move us into our fourth and final story of the day, of the week, month, please. Um. Apple's Q3 2019 earnings call has been and gone. Um, As is usual, I think the best reporting on it is the charts over at Six Colors because you get to see the earnings in a broader context. I guess the headlines Apple are pushing is that it was their best third quarter ever. And that is factually true. Um, The tech world is having a real Rorschach test moment. Um, because on the one hand, everything apart from the iPhone is up. And the reason that Apple are pushing so hard on services is because everyone knows that the iPhone can't keep growing forever because it is a maturing product. Therefore, what Apple needed to do was to get their ducks in a row so that when the iPhone finally started to shrink instead of grow, they would have something to fill its place. And what happened this month is that the iPhones are to shrink instead of grow and services was right there to catch the slack so that in aggregate, it was actually the best third quarter they've ever had. So you can see that as Apple's long-term plan bearing fruit or you can see that as the end of the world. Now, three guesses, <laughs> you know, what way a lot of the clickbaity headlines went. From the same people who were like, Apple is doomed because they're over-dependent on the iPhone to Apple is doomed because the iPhone isn't growing infinitely forever. It's like, come on, pick one. Either they needed to diversify, which they now have successfully, or the iPhone must grow forever. <clears throat> ah. can, I, can I throw something in there, though, Bart? You can. Um, if, if their iPhone... And I'm not doom here. I'm not trying to say this is doom and gloom, but I'd like to know how much of those services are related to the iPhones that they have out there. And if there is a decrease, a constant decrease in the iPhone sales, then I can see why they're ultimately, it'll take longer, but ultimately services will not replace the iPhone because it is part and parcel possibly of what you get when you're purchasing an iPhone. Okay, now, but bear in but mind... Is, but hang, hang on a minute, let okay. me finish. There, there, there is a tail there, so it will take a long time, and I get the whole world is down on mobile phones anyway, and smartphones, so is this a reflection of an ever-decreasing world as well when it comes to smartphone sales, and they have built a product which is um, ever growing longer i.e people hold on to them longer i am not doom and gloom i don't think it's a problem but i do understand that if your sales start dropping off and your services are directly related to that product then eventually it will not be a total replacement the other way to look at that is that 
there is no drop off in install base. If anything, the install base is continuing to grow. Mm-hmm. What's happening is that the replacement cycle is stretching out because Absolutely. the product is maturing. So there's not less iPhones in use. There's less iPhones being sold every year. And that's yes. not the same thing. And, and that's where your services then do pick up the slack. Yeah. And it's not just iPhone. It's Apple are the masters of the whole widget. So... Yeah. It's their, the services are locked into their ecosystem, not their iPhones, which those, I think, make it a more robust. That, and that's why I kind of said, I wonder how much of those services are directly related to the iPhone service. Because uh, there's an awful lot of people out there with iPhones that don't have any other Apple product other than perhaps earphones, et cetera, et cetera. They don't I was going to say, but well, that's changing with the wearables, right? I mean, two of yes. Apple's biggest recent success stories are the Apple Watch and those ubiquitous now earpods. You know, we may have joked at the silly name, but, you know, something is one hell of a successful product. And unfortunately, that that is part of the wear home and accessory part, which is 10%, isn't it? So it, it's still, I'm not, gonna, I'm not knocking it again, but it's, you know, Though there are companies out there that would like the business that they give on their own as a business, a standalone business. I get that. I get that. But we are looking, obviously, at Apple uh, from a holistic view, looking down at the whole thing rather than just an individual business piece. I mean, wearables is now bigger than the iPad is the other way to look at it. It is. It is, the, but those those wearables obviously align into the iPhone and the iPad, don't they? In a they, lot of cases, they do. But at this stage, we have approximately ten percent wearables, approximately ten percent Mac, approximately ten percent iPad. So they're now equivalent size segments to each other, which is, yeah, I think pretty darn impressive. Uh, yeah, I agree with I agree with you. I don't think it, it's you know it's certainly not doom and gloom uh, and not and 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 oh, let me be honest. Do I care? I'm not sure. Short term, I do care. Longer term, maybe. Short term, no. This isn't the problem. This, the, you know, we're in a we're in a difficult world economy at the moment. I sort of I care in the sense that I like it is. It has been obvious to me for a very very long time that the iPhone is going to mature as a product and a maturing product. Like you know, we used to replace our Macs every two three years, and now we replace them every four or five years. The same is happening with our iPhones because. Yeah. Once a product is mature and well-built, there's not as much of a difference between an iPhone X and an iPhone XS as there was between the iPhone and the iPhone 3G. There just can't be because it's a well-rounded, mature product. And we shouldn't want there to be. If we're still having such massive changes, then there's something wrong. They should be mature products by now. So I've really wanted to see Apple diversify around the inevitable reality of maturing of the iPhone market. And so to me, what I see is a great strategy executed over many years bearing fruit, and I'm delighted. But, you know, that that's, doesn't make good headline. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make you money like click-throughs do, whether you be a YouTuber or whether you be somebody who writes articles with adverts on their page. Indeed. Um, indeed. The, the, other, the other point, and I agree 100% with all of that, and it, um, you know, it's a maturing product. We know that the whole segment is now mature. The, as we just said, the the difference between you know a, a, an X and a you know XR ten ten R um, is, is much less than the difference between, as you said, a 
the 3G and the 3GS or so on. And the same thing with PCs. You know, modern Macs, modern PCs, modern machines, the difference between one, you know, one um, processor gen and the next is not like when you were talking about, oh, the next iteration of 386 and it's, you know, 50% faster or whatever. Um, and I'm with Bar. I think this is a long-term strategy. I think Tim and, uh, you know, Apple in general have been planning for some time for this. They, they're not stupid. They've not been... And, and analysts, of course, you can, they can't win because analysts have spent the last few years going, oh, oh, look, they're, they're, you know, their revenue is over 66% comes from the iPhone. That's a very bad strategy. That's all your eggs in one basket. Now... You know, oh, it's dropped. It's below fifty percent. It's a disaster. Well, you can't have it. You can't have your cake and eat it. It's one or the other. <laughs> Can I say something that'll sound weirdly? It might sound strange to some Apple loving people, and what? and it might sound strange coming from a person who's sitting here surrounded by Mac, iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, and AirPods, but. I kind of like the fact that the cycle is slowing down. I think it's insane for people to buy new smartphones every year. It's not great for the planet, and it's probably that, not good that for most was, people's credit cards. That was I agree also. with you 110%. I don't think it's weird. I, I think it's completely normal. What we, we want is good, reliable products, and I'm delighted that it's maturing. Yeah, I'm with you completely, Scott. Definitely. Um, and if Apple were to play it uh, right, to be honest, they could start making a virtue of the fact that if you buy your iPhone, it should last you three or four years, like your laptop should. And Which that is better for the planet. Yes, but they do make that they point. Are. Um, now, what's interesting... Right, they, could you... make it, they could make it much more. They could push it as a green, you know, let's face it, apparently climate, you know, climate crisis is here. Wakey, wakey. I've only been on about it for 25 years, but never mind. Um, but they, they do it every chance they get, be... to be fair to them. They're, they're, they're constantly, you know, and they, they, they go on about the fact that iPhones are passed down and they continue to be. They had an entire, what was the entire iOS version dedicated to making old phones run fast. So that was, that was the. Indeed. That was the main feature they pushed in their keynote was that this is going to make your old devices run better. Yeah. Now, What's interesting to me, right? So I, as I say, the, the graphs on the six colors link in the show notes are superb. But what's interesting to me is that if you look at the graphs for like Mac revenue or iPhone revenue or iPad revenue, they're all very noisy because there's nothing constant about them because you have a new cool product comes out, big, big spike. The graph for services revenue is butter smooth. Because it's a recurring monthly charge. It's a really solid foundation to build a business on. Because it's not bursty. It's it's not mm. bouncing all over the place. It's steady, reliable growth. It's a very, very healthy chart. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I will say, um, you know, the uh, Apple Music, I did the trial, liked it, subscribed to it for my entire family. And they get my $15 per month and other things like I went years in between iPads. Uh, my mm -hmm. phone I keep for 
three plus years now on the yeah. last two. Uh, my Mac is a 2015, and I have no plans to upgrade that anytime soon. Yeah, um, I'm on about a five-year cycle on Macs, a three-year cycle yeah. on iPhones, and a four-year cycle on iPads, but a monthly cycle yeah. on Apple Music and iCloud. And watch, I don't know what cycle I'm on because I bought a Series 3 and I plan to keep it as long as I can. Uh, so, but the rev, but you're right, even though, yeah, it's only $15 a month, but assuming, well, they have my iCloud every yeah. month too. So yeah, those things you don't get out of. They just keep going and going and going. And I have a couple of subscriptions, you know, so it, it all it all adds up. I've, you know, I have a few subscription mm-hmm. apps I, I pay for every month true, or every right. year. Most I tend to go for yearly subscription apps, but th- th- they begin to add up too. It's you know it, it's good solid revenue. Yeah, and that's a really good point actually, Bart. It's the subscription apps which they're obviously still taking a cut of. Yeah, people, I, for, uh, I forget about those. Yeah, you know, I don't forget a... that I'm paying them, but I forget that Apple's getting some of that. Yeah, it's fifteen percent, not thirty percent after the first year, but nonetheless, fifteen percent is a hell of a lot more than zero. I wouldn't mind fifteen percent of any business. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially Apple-sized businesses. I'll take I'll take 0.15% of those. <laughs> I'll take one I'll take 1 cent from every single user. That'll do me. Yeah. Set up for life. <laughs> um Apple guided very strongly for the next quarter, surprising Wall Street. Um, Tim Cook said, basically, we have lots of cool stuff coming, lots of products that we're not going to tell you about, but they're cool and they're coming. And we believe everything's heading in the right direction. So that's in, you know, Apple Apple generally do not miss their own guidance. So if they're guiding strong, they genuinely seem to believe it. But I couldn't help notice as I was preparing the show notes, two, I think, related stories, is there's a... First off, there's... EU countries are starting to rethink tax particularly in light of companies this isn't so much apple as other companies but companies like facebook who don't charge people financial money but extract great value from people Uh, and so the french government is putting taxes on some of these large companies including apple and the british government is currently putting together plans for a digital services tax as well which will also hit apple so Apple are going to end up, they already are getting a bill from France and they will be getting a bill from the UK probably, assuming it makes its way through Parliament. So I think they are going to be paying more taxes even if they keep doing the double Irish or whatever weirdo juggling they do. So that's definitely, you know, I don't think it's going to bankrupt the company, but it's interesting. And then there's the tariff man in the White House. And he could just, upend things in a whim like at the moment apple are seeking uh, some tariff exclusions for their mac pro and by tweet they seem to be engaged in an argument with the president um as best as i can figure out apple want to continue to manufacture in the u.s but they need to get parts moved between china and the u.s to make u.s manufacturing possible and apparently the president doesn't understand the fact that parts need to move regardless of where final manufacturing is. So Tim Cook is in a difficult spot there. And at any moment, iPhones will just become 10% more expensive on a whim of the president. So that's troubling. Bart, I think uh, the statement could just be shortened to the president doesn't understand and it would apply perfectly here. <laughs> that, that, is, that is my personal opinion. Um, his, his grasp of reality is poor. 
This grasp of economics is woeful. Yeah. Um, any any other thoughts? I know I'm straying into politics, and I know I, I fully understand if people in the panel wish to keep their mouths shut and just let me expose myself uh, to being shouted at. Um. No, I, I think that. Um, I mean the. The EU possible digital services tax, I think, was probably almost inevitable mm-hmm. because people like Facebook, through a variety of manoeuvres, pay almost nothing yes. on hu- huge revenues. Um, and sooner or later, somebody was going to do something. And um, I think it was some time ago, possibly even several years now, when there was a hoo-ha about how much the tax Apple and various other uh, people paid. And uh, Tim Cook said, we pay all the tax we are required to pay, and if you don't like the amount of tax that we pay, you need to change your tax legislation, not point the finger at us. Um, which is reasonable, in <laughs> which my is opinion. What, and that's what they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's fair enough. You know, I think at that time, Tim Cook was perfectly within his rights to say, yeah. we pay yeah. all the taxes we're obliged to pay. If you think we need to pay more tax, you have to make legislation, which, you know, has to be considered fair and all the rest. But you are entitled to um, raise more taxation in whatever way you see fit, and then we will be obliged to pay it. Um, given, given that he was talking to lawmakers who make tax law, I think he was absolutely 110% correct. It's ridiculous for the... Well, I can't remember if it was the House or the Senate committee who called them in, but they were, like, basically shouting at him for not paying taxes that their laws that they controlled didn't tell him to pay. It's like, well, you're in charge of this. Do your job. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, that, so, you know, I, I, the sort of digital services tax was uh, almost inevitable, Especially after the stories of, you know, Facebook raking in, you know, 1.8 billion a week and paying tuppence in income tax or whatever. Yes, exactly. Um, The tariff thing, well, I don't really want to get involved in that. Um, Basically, I think we can all say... Donald Trump can't spell waivers because he said no tariff waivers. And I said, well, are they people waving a piece of paper as the stuff is unloaded at the docks? Because... There I think we, we I think we have to be careful uh, about our starting throwing accusations at uh, Tom. Uh, Mr. I was going to say people without, from the United Kingdom and Great Britain and Northern Ireland need to be very careful about import export <laughs> stuff. Yeah, but anyway, but be that you know, I I don't really want to get involved in that. Um, <laughs> I just I just don't agree with it. I think it's stupid, but that's a lot. You know, I'm not yeah, uh, I'm not head of the US or the UK. Or anywhere else. I guess the real takeaway is, right, Apple do not control. It doesn't matter whether it's the UK government or the US government. Apple don't control governments. Therefore, it is a risk for Apple that there could be chaos caused either by a tariff war, which could expand well beyond America and China. There has been noises made about the EU being the next bad guy on Donald Trump's hit list, particularly Germany. But that's potentially bad for all of us here in the EU. And... The simple fact is that Brexit is uncertain and uncertainty means risk. So Brexit is risky. It doesn't actually matter what your politics are. It is risky. 
No, can I, can I, can I, and can I just go back on your comment a little bit, Bart? Um, mm-hmm. And w- I am really not the right person to to comment on this, but actually, I think fair dues to Apple because we know that in America, lobbying uh, is quite a big business, and I I'm sure that Apple do lobby, but it certainly doesn't seem to be the sort of business that they gain an awful lot of business by doing a lot of lobbying where it does seem that some of the other companies that um, are in a similar area, tech area, do a lot of lobbying and obviously uh, gain out of it. But uh, I'm not an expert in that area. so I well, they, do that. Apple don't seem to be lobbying for lower taxes on themselves. No. And they don't seem to be lobbying to avoid being regulated. So to me, that seems positive. They do seem to be lobbying yes. for employees rights and things like that and apple were were lobbying in favor of non-discrimination legislation for yeah was it enda i think i can't remember what the initial stuff was basically you can't fire someone for being gay and that seems reasonable for apple to be lobbying on that kind of stuff and that doesn't make me cranky right I do believe that has us at the end of our main story. So just before we wrap up, uh, a few little quick notes, uh, quick stories to run through here. Apple have launched their annual back-to-school sale. What that means is price drops on MacBook Airs, MacBook Pros, iMacs, iMac Pros, iPad Airs, and iPad Pros. That seems to be missing from my show notes. Must fix that. Also, free Beats headphones if you buy a Mac or an iPad. Uh, Price reductions on things like Apple Pencil and Smart Keyboard Covers. The Apple Music free trial is doubled to six months for students in the US and Canada, at least. It's unclear from the reporting if that's worldwide. And finally, to qualify for any of this goodness, you have to be able to prove that you are in education, which basically, to a large extent, comes down to having an email address at a recognized educational institution. Uh... Strangely enough, at the same time, some graphic found on Apple's website suggests that for people who are not students, the Apple Music free trial may be going from three months down to one month shortly. Um, That rumour was enough for me to finally click buy on Apple Music last week, and I have to say I quite like it, and I have my three months free, so yay. Um... We can also report that as of iOS 12.4, you can now transfer data from one iPhone to another without backing it up to iCloud and restoring it from there. You can now do a direct Wi-Fi connect from one iPhone to another, or even if you have the appropriate dongles, shove a cable in the bottom of one iPhone and into the bottom of the other iPhone and transfer your data over a cable. So that is just in time for Apple releasing nice new iPhones in a few weeks' time. Uh Apple are also doing augmented reality art installations, which look rather weird and cool. Um, Definitely a story to look at the pictures on. Uh, In the United States, there are some companies, or some states that do a thing called a sales tax holiday, uh, six states in specific. Apple are taking part. Details in the story linked in the show notes. Canadians get to have the ECG app on their Apple Watch Series 4s. And in related news, and uh, some interesting reporting um, on the accuracy of the ECG on the Apple Watch compared to the EKGs in hospitals, basically it's surprisingly darn good for being arguably a very simplistic device because it's only a single sensor. But it, in the case of a specific reporter, it, it did a really good job of detecting an actual cardiac problem. And finally, Intel have announced their 10th generation Ice Lake CPUs, a range of 11 chips in all. So that, I think, is likely to mean some new Macs on the way as 
they get Ice Lake goodness. So that, I think, wraps up the news for July 2019. Folks, thank you very much for giving of your time. I really appreciate you spending a chunk of your Monday evening with me um, in no particular order. Scott, thank you for joining us. And would you like to let the listeners know where they can catch up with more of your things? I am on Twitter, Scott A.W., and uh, I don't have any real projects going on right now, but I have a website, scottwilsey.com. So if I do come up with any projects, I'll announce them there. Cool. Excellent. And that is two L's in Wilsey. So W-I-L-L-S-E-Y. Uh, Simon, would you let the good listeners know about your wonderful podcast and where they can find it? Uh, right. Well, of course, I am the host of the Essential Apple uh, podcast. We're taking a uh, hiatus uh, for summer because everybody's on holiday and guests are hard to come by and uh, the news is likely to be fairly thin on the ground. So uh, we'll be back for September, um, but you can find uh, all of the shows on EssentialApple.com. You can follow me on uh, at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. And if you'd like to join the Essential Apple Slack room, if you go to the website, there is a link which will uh, admit you to the Slack room. Excellent. Gaz, would you like to plug your fine podcast? <laughs> I like the word fine for our podcast. Um, yeah, Guy and I do a uh, a weekly podcast where we can, and uh, Guy Searle and myself uh, do what is called the MyMac podcast, sometimes called the MyMac.com podcast, sometimes called the MyMac podcast show uh, i don't know where that came from uh carl this one's at you um and uh yeah if you want to contact me just send an email to gaz that's g-a-z waiting for the cars at mymac.com excellent oh always a fun listen to my mac podcast crazy <laughs> but fun great no crazy yeah, definitely crazy <laughs> okay um if, not if, there will be detailed show notes at lets-talk.ie, basically links to all of the stories that informed my thinking on this month's news. Uh, you will find those, as I say, at lets-talk.ie. While you're there, you'll notice a section in the sidebar under the heading Support the Show. I want to say first, thank you to everyone who does support the show. Without your help, this show simply would not exist. We do not have advertisers. We are 100% listener-supported. And there are bills that need to be paid, and I can't afford to pay them out of pocket, so I do rely on you guys to help me with that. And the good news is, you do, and therefore the show can continue to exist. So thank you to everyone who does support the show. If you'd like to join in that support with those who already do, there are two really effective ways to contribute for giving a regular donation of a small amount there is nothing that beats patreon it's an efficient way to give a small amount on a regular basis you pledge a certain amount per show and there will be exactly two shows a month so if you'd like to give me five dollars a month and pledge two dollars fifty you get the idea Um, And that really helps because at the end of the month, I have hosting bills that come in and I have Patreon money that comes in and I pour one into the other and they pretty much equal out, which is great. From time to time, then, I do also need to make some bigger item one-off purchases like software, hardware, those kind of things. And that is where PayPal donations are superbly helpful because PayPal is an efficient way to give one-off, you know, slightly larger donations. If it's smaller than $5, to be honest, what's happening is you're giving PayPal a large amount of fees and me very little help. It's it's not efficient. 
Uh, but for anything more than $5, PayPal is extremely efficient. And at the moment, thanks to a certain wonderful podcaster called Alison Sheridan, I am now in need of a new piece of software, uh, which costs about $100. So if anyone has been on the fence about pushing the PayPal button, now would be an extremely convenient time because I, I, I basically think I need another piece of software, um, which will make my audio quality better. Uh, so yes, now's a good time to help with that. Uh, there are also affiliate links to DigitalOcean and to Hover. If you are the kind of nerdy person who needs Linux VMs and or domain registrations, if you use those links, I get a little bit of money for sending you their way, and that helps me pay the bills. Finally, everyone can support the show through the simple act of reviewing it on your podcaster, podcatcher of choice, or simply tweeting about it, sharing it on Facebook, Google, whatever it is you hang out on. Basically, tell the world that you like the show, and that actually genuinely does really help the show. So again, thanks to everyone who supports the show. Please consider supporting the show if you don't. Thank you to the panel. I have been your host, Bart Bouchots. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next month, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Five, four, three, two, one. And we are go. Go, wait, go where? The commercial, Guy. We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial. So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next.